Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Our guests on the Goodyear Hotline Legacies being rewritten right before our eyes. Plus, lots of quarterback talk today. Name, image, and likeness. And you're welcome for all the money we made you yesterday. All that and a whole lot more. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. And playoff P gives the Clippers their largest lead of the game. You know, I got a good night's rest. My teammates been carrying me. Tonight I had to come through. Paul George trying to silence the haters. Well, we came into a hostile environment and got a gritty win. Like I said, without three starters. And, you know, we got to do it again two more times. My friend Mike Tirico once said while broadcasting a major championship in golf, 48 weeks a year, these guys play for a living. The other four, they play for history. It's not a bad parallel for the NBA. The regular season is their job, at least when they bother to show up for it. This time of year, it's about history. It's about legacy. It's always been that way. Why is Russell on my Mount Rushmore and Wilt not, despite all of the numbers that Wilt put up? Why Tim Duncan over Elgin Baylor on everyone's list as the all-time greatest four, when Elgin Baylor may well have been the best player of his generation? Why is Michael Jordan the greatest player ever? Because when it mattered most, they were there. And give the man his due. Last night, Paul George had the kind of night that changes your legacy. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. This was very much like what we saw from KD a week ago. This was narrative changing. On the road, season on the line, 15 of 20, 41 points, perfect from the line, 13 rebounds. That was epic. That is genuinely the stuff of legend. Playing without Kawhi, which is a phrase that we utter altogether too often, but whatever. That was spectacular from Paul George. And the other side of it, Chris Paul. With by far the best chance he's ever had to get to the finals, this would be crushing. When it comes to this series, without a horse in the race, I kind of thought I was rooting for Chris Paul to finally get his ring. But the more I watched George last night, the more I kind of bought into that storyline. This is going to be redemption for one of them Chris Paul who historically probably deserves to be a top five point guard all time and Paul George who needs something to cement his legacy as something beyond a ridiculously talented player who never quite gave you what you expected one of them is going to change that one of them over the course of the rest of this week is going to change that So it's going to be redemption for one of those two guys. Uh, You know, Chris Paul, in fact, I I was thinking about this before. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. And it it does feel to me like a decent question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. And I don't mean to take the topic away from Paul George this quickly. He fully and richly deserves all of the roses that are going to be thrown, the bouquets in his direction today. But Nuno, just very quickly, of the active players in the NBA who is the best one historically that doesn't have a championship ring is it is it Chris Paul I'm not talking about who's the best player right now take Luca and guys like that out of it I mean as far as historically great players who's the best one without a championship it's gonna be Paul I think it's Paul Harden and then Westbrook because of the numbers he's put up okay Paul Harden and Westbrook. So on the list of historically great players, in my view, amongst those three, Chris Paul goes at the top. Is that right? Correct. I mean, we we agree on that? I think that's right. Yeah, I think so, too. And then I think Harden is coming up in the rear. Uh, But yes, it's Paul. Chris Chris Paul, 
you know, Chris Paul is one of those guys whose numbers, if you look at them, are so good that they almost seem made up. Uh, if, if you look at, I mean, back, I remember Brian Kenny used to do a whole uh, feature on, like, just look at these numbers. They don't make any sense. There were games he'd have, like, 16 assists and no turnovers. But, you know, he was never on the best team all those years in New Orleans. Wasn't able to go to the Lakers. Winds up on the Clippers. Then they fell short in moments when it felt like they shouldn't. And then in Houston with Harden, and he gets hurt. And then he sort of put it together a little bit in OKC last year and carried a team much further than we expected it to go. And now here he is, the veteran presence on this otherwise very young Phoenix team. It would mean everything to his legacy for him to carry this team to a championship, every bit as much as for Paul George, who isn't in that discussion but has the talent to be. I mean, if you think back, how how many years ago is it now, Nuno, that – when LeBron and Paul George had those epic battles, when George was on those really good Indiana teams and they just couldn't quite get past LeBron and the Heat, but remember there were those games they would be like shaking hands in the middle of a game, like dapping each other up out of respect. Like Paul George in that moment in time felt like he was about to emerge as a legit NBA next-level superstar. I don't know how to classify him right now, but he felt like he was on the verge of becoming something bigger than this, right? Yeah, so they had those, like, 2013, around that era, where you felt like, oh, can they, can Paul George carry them, obviously, and... You know, can they be the team to uh, compete against the Heat? And unfortunately, they weren't. Now, they just fell short, though, right? They took them seven games one time, if I'm remembering correctly. The, yeah, so the 2013 uh, Eastern Conference Final. They took that was the seven. year they beat the Knicks, right? They beat the Knicks in, in the previous round. The, the Pacers did, I'm talking yep. about. Um, and, and then they went and they and they played Miami super tough there. And it really felt like, I, what I'm trying to say here, maybe I'm not doing a great job of it is, there was a moment in time right around then when it felt like Paul George was ready to join LeBron James. Like when we talked about the best players in the sport, he was going to be the name that we came up with. And Kevin Durant supplanted that, and Kawhi Leonard supplanted that. Candidly, a whole bunch of people have supplanted that. But anyway, last night is the kind of night that can rewrite that. And I have to believe that that redemption was on his mind. He talked with our Rachel Nichols after the game. I haven't shot the ball well this whole series. Um, at some point, I, I had to have a breakthrough. I had to. I was getting great looks. I love the shots I was getting. Um, I think just scheduling and you know every other night was playing a role on it. Just was missing, coming up short, tired on shots. Um, but you know I got a good night's nice rest. Um, and uh, you know my teammates been carrying me. Honestly, uh, they've been carrying me. Tonight I had to come through. That was a great answer. Again, he was 15 of 20 last night, shot 50% from three, made all of his foul shots. They needed him big, and then they got Reggie Jackson to step up and give him a good number two. So now they go home, and this would really be something. If they win tomorrow night, and at home you certainly got to give him a 50-50 shot of winning that game. Now all the pressure in the world goes to the young sons because they are so young. They're depending so much on these young players, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and then the pressure, as we just talked about, on Chris Paul to finally make it to the finals at this stage of his career, having been up 3-1. It's a history he knows altogether too well. So this is a fascinating little scenario we have, and we've got just the right person to talk about it with. Zach Lowe is going to join me in just a few minutes on this and all the trade talks and everything else. Don't miss Zach Lowe in just a few minutes here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles. 
at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. In the meantime, mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after its time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. All right, here's my question. Are you watching the Euros? They're on ESPN in the afternoons. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I do appreciate it. I love the passion. Soccer is not my sport. I, I admire the, the, the brilliance of it. Um, but, but these huge international competitions, the World Cup every four years and now the Euros, which to the people involved, I think may mean more than the World Cup does. I enjoy it. In fact, yesterday I'm out taking a walk. And I wasn't just taking a walk. It was too hot for a walk. But I was walking from one place to another. And if you walk through the streets of Manhattan, and I assume this is true in just about every city in America, you know, the bars are spilling out into the streets and people are watching these games and losing their minds. It's fun. It's fun to see just how into it. There was a level of passion for this that I I think actually even exceeds that of, you know, football fans in this country or whatever. It doesn't matter. That's not in any way the point I wanted to make. The point is, I know enough to know that when France is playing Switzerland, France is supposed to win. France is going to be a prohibitive favorite. I know that France won the World Cup. I know that they are routinely a major power. But if you listen to this show, then you knew they were going to lose yesterday. And you could have made a few bucks on that, I might say. I found this tweet yesterday. France eliminated by Switzerland in PKs. France had 93% of the bets and 97%. Let me say that again. France had 93% of the bets and 97% of the handle of the money before the match. Thus, if you are a regular listener to this show, all I can say is, you're welcome. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't know the first thing about Kylian Mbappe and I, I don't know Paul Pogba and I don't know anything. I, I enjoy the calls. I enjoy the international celebration. I certainly don't know that sport like I know some of the others. But I do know that if 93% of the bets and 97% of the handle are on anything, bet the other way. And so you're welcome if you decided to take that advice from this program yesterday. Okay, Zach Lowe coming up next. Where's Damian Lillard going? What did last night mean for Paul George? All that and a whole lot more. He'll answer our questions. We're just getting started. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, 
happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. rolling along on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Zach Lowe on the Goodyear hotline in 30 seconds. It was not a good day to be up 3-1, right? France up 3-1, lost. Spain up 3-1, almost lost. And the Suns up three games to one, they lose. We'll talk about that and more with Zach Lowe again 30 seconds from now. But right now, time for some straight talk. We've all been there. You have real work to do. But the free Wi-Fi where you're working isn't going to cut it. It's like leaving the winning runner stranded on third base. Not good. Well, now you can be your own hotspot with Straight Talk's unlimited, ultimate unlimited plan. Get 10 gigs of hotspot data for just 55 bucks a month, all on America's largest, most dependable networks. Again, it's Straight Talk's ultimate unlimited plan. Straight Talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Compatible device required. See straighttalk.com. There's no one I love talking about the, the historical significance of basketball things than Zach Lowe, who jumps in with me here. Zach, I always appreciate it. I'm trying to sort of quantify what last night means for a player like Paul George to have that kind of performance in that spot with what has been his postseason reputation and all the attention that attracts. What's the right way to describe it? You know, Greeny, people forget in 2013, Paul George was so clutch and such a monster hitting buzzer shots and hitting three free throws in overtime and all that stuff against Miami that LeBron going into a timeout paused called him over and low fives him during the Eastern conference finals. A moment that was LeBron saying, Hey man, you belong. Like this guy went toe to toe with LeBron James when he was 22, 23 years old. Yeah. He's had some stinkers and we can talk about why his game is sort of prone to the occasional two of 16, three of 17, but he's been relentless this entire postseason, going to the rim, going to the basket, getting to the free throw line, which is really the bellwether for whether Paul George can survive a bad shooting game. If he can get 10, 11 free throw attempts, he's been really good the whole playoffs. And yeah, He needed a playoffs like this because those Indiana games, they're fading into the background of the Damian Lillard waving bye-bye shot of the two of 16 against Utah in an elimination game. He needed this, but this guy, it's not like he's been a choker his whole career. I think that's been overblown. That's really well said. Um, And and so then let's talk about where they are right now. I, I don't think anyone expects Kawhi Leonard to come back and play for them tomorrow or game seven, if there is one or even in the finals, but there's no reason to get ahead of ourselves there. How do you see this series as they sit right now? Clippers, down two three headed home tomorrow the Clippers being four and three without Kawhi is certainly not something I saw coming considering how central he is 
to their identity. I think we talked about this when he get in, when he got injured. I, I just I can't be more impressed with them. They're a late game alley oop away from being able to clinch this series in LA. There's something like plus seventeen or plus eighteen for the series. All the evidence suggests, and particularly how sort of sloggy the offense has looked for Phoenix with Chris Paul back, and the, the Clippers found something with that zone last night. All evidence suggests, heck yes, the Clippers can win this series. They should be favorites to win game six at home. I think it's kind of a toss-up game because if Chris kind of gets back into the swing of things, I think Phoenix is probably a little better. But this five-out look with Marcus Morris and Batum at center, it's giving every team they face problems, and they're going home. Like I, I don't know why we wouldn't expect them to come out and win. Zach Lowe with me. His podcast is The Low Post. I agree completely, and that would set up a winner-take-all game seven and – Let's talk about the pressure that would be on Chris Paul in that situation when he is this close to finally getting to the NBA Finals and seemed to be in complete control of this. But he's got all these really young teammates who look to him to be the leader, and he's got his postseason history. I think if they get to a Game 7, the pressure on Chris Paul would be the storyline. Well, when he when he went down on his backside and whatever that sort of double collision, I don't even know what the heck that was with Patrick Beverly and Chris Paul, but I just cringed because I thought, is this going to be the story of this guy's career? He gets so close so many times, and there's always an injury, a crazy late-game meltdown that sometimes is his fault and sometimes isn't. Um, but thankfully, he wasn't hurt. But yeah, I agree. Look, he's 35, 36, whatever he is. You only get so many chances. The, the field has blown open for them. They're up 3-1 when, before last night. And, and even more so, Greeny, because he hasn't played well. I think he's 19 of 60 from the field. And their offense has not looked the same since he came back. I think it's been a little too much Chris Paul, particularly against the zone defense, a little too much predictability. They've lost some of the zip. Remember how they looked against Denver? Mm. They were flying around, guys coming up from the corner, flare screens, cuts, everything. They've lost a little of that juice reincorporating him. That's not his fault. That's what happens when someone comes back. He had COVID. We don't know what that effect had on him. So, But I do think, yeah, that would be if we get there, that's a – I mean, I, I, I don't like talking in these terms, but it really is. It's a, it would be a legacy game for him. Th- that's a really important point that I hadn't considered until now because so many players have been in the protocol and all that sort of stuff. It is worth reminding everyone that he actually had COVID. And, and it, despite the fact that he is um, vaccinated, that, that he, is, he had COVID. And, you know, we've seen different players react differently from that. Some have come back and been just fine. Uh, I've been thinking back to the NFL season. We saw a lot of players really sluggish in their re- turns Lamar Jackson didn't seem the same I'm remembering Cam Newton didn't seem the same I'm remembering when they came back maybe that is a factor here Zach I hadn't thought about it well look I mean again he's vaccinated right so so, he hasn't talked much about you know how he felt or how he's feeling Um, I, I think because he's vaccinated there's just been this assumption well he must be fine he's fine he's already back he was vaccinated like we don't know we're it seems like it's been forever we're just a year and a half into all of this. We're still learning all about it. So, I, you know, I, I just I, I'm as, I'm sort of operating under the assumption that he's probably pretty close to fine. He came back pretty fast. But, you know, you do have to just sort of remember like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big variable. We need to at least keep it in mind. That's exactly right. Zach Lowe was with me. That was last night. Of course, tonight, the East takes center stage here on ESPN Radio. Game four, Hawks Bucks presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. So while I've got you, I want to ask you about two other things, Zach. I, I want to talk about these quotes from Mark Cuban. So 
it does feel like something's going on there in Dallas, right? I mean, all the changes that we have seen, and obviously all of it is built around making sure that Luka Doncic is happy and that he's going to be that franchise for the next 15 years and all the rest of it. And he was talking about getting him help. And this is a direct quote from Mark Cuban. Trust me, nobody wants to get Luka more help than I do. What do we need is really the question. We need a second scorer. There's no question about it. We didn't think our need for a secondary scorer would be as great as it was, honestly. And obviously, I sit here and I think to myself, if that isn't the ultimate indictment of Kristaps Porzingis, I don't know what is. He's getting paid $150 million and isn't even ready to be the second scorer. What What did you take away from that and what do you expect – how do you expect that to play out in Dallas? Uh, I took away from it exactly what you just said. I mean, look, KP has averaged 20 a game the last two seasons in Dallas. It, part of it has been he's just injured a lot and, and not available a lot, and he was great in the bubble of the playoffs. But we've seen now two years in a row in the wrong matchup, teams can switch and take him out of the offense. Those pick-and-pop threes, they go away. And defensively, he just wasn't the same player. And, you know, the biggest problem the Mavs have is that there's too big a gap between their best player and their second best player. There's a huge gap. It's a chasm, and that's a hard way to win a championship. You're usually top two players are two of the top 15 or 20 players in the NBA. And I think what he's really getting at is not only do we need a second scorer, like maybe you don't even need a guy who averages more points, raw points than Kristaps Porzingis. What you need is another guy who can run pick and roll, who can get Luka off the ball a little bit. I mean, look at what Bogdan Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter have done in Atlanta, easing the burden to some degree on Trey Young. Tim Hardaway Jr. is still more of a spot-up, one-dribble pull-up guy. Jalen Brown or Jalen Brunson, rather, in the playoffs, maybe he's he's just the, the height becomes an issue. Like, they just need another creator, I think, is what Mark is getting at. And, and then what of... Porzingis, you know, and maybe I'm just particularly attuned to this because I live in New York and and there's so much attention on that here. But I mean, this was the guy who was the unicorn. This was the guy who not so long ago, people were saying, if you were going to pick one player to build a team around, he'd be in that discussion. And now what? What is the right thing to say about his place in the NBA right this minute? Well, think about why he was dubbed the unicorn by KD, actually, of all people, Mm -hmm. is he he was at that time the rare seven-footer who could shoot threes and block shots. And the second part of that equation is critical and has fallen away as leg injuries and other injuries have sapped apparently some of his athleticism. Like if he can't protect the rim reliably, then he can't play center as much. And if he can't play center as much, he's squeezed in at the four where they're going to guard him with wings and switch and take away his jump shot. Part of the dream of Christophs Porzingis was he was a stretch center who would space the floor for everyone else and rim run on offense and block shots on defense. And if you can't trust him to play that position on defense, all of the unicorn conceit sort of falls away. Yeah, I think that's right. It's it's strange to me. I mean, I, I think that when the Knicks traded him, I think a lot of fans were extremely upset about it. And now, my goodness, does it feel like you ever dodged a bullet there when you consider what he's getting paid and what he has become. One more thing. Um, I was reading with interest a lot of stories about Damian Lillard over the weekend, and it certainly feels like there is at least some momentum, let's say, to his possibly getting moved this offseason. What are you hearing and, and what should we be expecting? I think it's it's like Portland is going to operate from the standpoint of, hey, you've got three years left on your contract. Like, we're not under pressure. 
we're not even under pressure to deal you if you even get to that place. And I don't think they've gotten even close to that place. Deal you to a place where you want to go. The whole league is our landscape with so much time left on your contract. Will that position of strength last? Will they really hold to that? We'll see. Again, none of this has really happened yet. This is all in the realm of speculation. But, yes, this, the smoke is the smoke is billowing, and we appear to be at least heading in some sort of plausible direction where, let's put it this way, the teams that are interested, they've been doing their homework for a long time. They've been sniffing around for a long time about what would it take, who would be interested, where does he fit, what packages make sense. Like, that process is already underway. Yeah. And what you're, I feel like what you're telling me is the, your sense is people around the league believe this is going to happen? I, I believe is a little bit strong. Mm. I, I think they're, I think they view him as a good candidate. Everyone's always looking for the next guy, right? Like right. who's the next guy who's dissatisfied? And I think the moment Portland went out, in the first round to a Denver team missing a whole bunch of rotation guys. And the moment he posted that cryptic Instagram post that I don't even remember what it said. I think at that moment, everyone's eyes sort of looked as like, Oh, is, is he the next guy? Cause he just scored a gazillion points against the nuggets and made so many clutch three pointers. I lost count. Let's start getting the ammo ready. So believe, I, I think, I think Portland is going to stiff arm this as long as possible. I don't think Dame has even sort of exercised any sort of leverage or indicated any kind of like, you know, overt dissatisfaction or anything, but, but they're definitely looking. Yeah. It, it, you're right. I, I'm, the Instagram post was something like, how much longer should I have faith or how much longer do I, I? I remember what you're talking about now. You're right. In the world in which we live, that feels like it was 10 years ago. <laughs> Zach Lowe, the I podcast, know. of course, is called The Low Post. There's nobody better. Thanks a million, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Going to be well. He's so good. I mean, Zach Lowe is right. He's just so good. There's, there's no insight into things that he cannot give you because no one has more passion as a fan and no one is better connected as a reporter. So he's just terrific. Greeny with you here. Much more basketball as we continue. But the next piece of business I want to get to. I'm sorry. What? 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 I'm sorry. What? what? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? All right, listen up here. CBS Sports did a piece in which they looked at the five rookie quarterbacks who were taken in round one this year and ranked them in terms of having the best chance to succeed based on their team situation. And the way they placed them was Trey Lance, number one, Mac Jones and Justin Fields tied at number two, Trevor Lawrence, number four, and Zach Wilson, number five. So, of course, when this went up, everybody on the staff of both of my shows, Nuno and, and, and the company here and everybody on Get Up, immediately sent it to me for my reaction because they put the Jets quarterback at five. And, and so I read the story, and it is a perfectly reasonable way of looking at this thing. At least it is a perfectly reasonable way of choosing to look at it, which is to say who could win the most games this year. But I would ask the question, is that really the way to measure success? Peyton Manning went 3-13 and and threw 28 interceptions as a rookie, and yet every person with eyes could see he was going to be a star, and the next year he went 13-3. and So when you draft a quarterback in the first round, at the very top of it, as Jacksonville did, the Jets did, San Francisco did, and even in the first half of the first round, as Chicago and New England did, you don't draft them to have a good year. You're drafting them to have a good decade or more. So with that, let's focus just on where they put Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson, candidly, is quite well positioned for success. 
I would, in fact, say, well, anyone who asks me what do I think of the Jets this year, I always say it's going to come down to how good he is. Because for the first time in what feels like forever, they seem to have people running things who have some idea what they're doing. The management of the New York Jets has been so startlingly inept for, unfortunately, such a long time that it manifested itself in completely ruining and destroying your opportunity to turn Sam Darnold into something that I think he could have been. If Zach Wilson has the talent Sam Darnold did and comes into this situation, I think he's very nicely positioned for success. Now, does that mean they're going to go 11-6 and this year? No, I'm not saying that. So again, it depends on how you're measuring success. But I think that with the way they're building it, the right way, with a person in charge who seems to know what he's doing and a new coach everyone's excited about and a quarterback-friendly offense people are excited about, I mean, all of these are unknowns. But they went out and made aggressive moves on the offensive line, and they have a, a, a degree of weapons on the outside that Sam Darnold could never even fathom by bringing in Corey Davis and drafting Elijah Moore and all the rest of it. So I think Zach Wilson is nicely uh, positioned, if he's good, to have some success. Again, that might not mean winning a lot of games this year and taking his lumps as rookie quarterbacks do and are supposed to. But if he's got the moxie, everybody says, and the talent, everybody says, then I think he's nicely positioned to succeed. Then you take a guy like Justin Fields. I'm worried about that one. That feels like a at the risk of using a ridiculous analogy, like that's a political football we're dealing with there. Like, I don't know exactly what's happening, but when you're drafted into a place where everybody knows how much heat there is on the coach, let's even take the general manager out of the equation because he he doesn't have any say in what happens from this point forward, or at least I would assume he has none or next to none. But Matt Nagy is is talking about wanting to reenact the Kansas City model and, and, and allow Andy Dalton to be the quarterback and let Justin Fields come along slowly and all of that. And I'm totally in favor of that. Totally. If that's what is in the best interest of developing the quarterback. Because listen to what I said a moment ago. When you draft a quarterback in the first round, it's not about trying to win for one year. It's about trying to win for a decade. But Matt Nagy doesn't have a decade. So that worries me. Do the decisions get made prematurely based upon the circumstances? That would be my concern. That's not a juggernaut of an offense they have there. That is a defense, a team that is based on its defense, and you want the quarterback to kind of not screw things up. And what do rookie quarterbacks tend to do, no matter how talented they are? Every now and again, they wind up kind of screwing things up. So I, I think they have a very fine line to walk there. And, and, and the thing that Andy Reid had in Kansas City when Matt Nagy was on the staff in, in being patient with Alex Smith and the development of Patrick Mahomes was he had the luxury of time. So I don't know where the, the, the pressure there factors in. So it's easy to say Trey Lance is in the best situation. Of course he is. I mean, any, anyone getting drafted into that situation in San Francisco was going to be in the best situation. That's the best team by far. And they have a coach that everyone says is an offensive guru. And, and I agree. So I would agree. He's best positioned. I, I had said before the draft, whoever they draft would be the one who is best positioned for success. I think Mac Jones is very well positioned for success because just look at the coach. You know, it's become very fashionable to kind of downgrade Bill these days. And he's not without flaw, but he is still the greatest coach of all time. And he hasn't forgotten how to be that. And I think he is super motivated. 
And he's got Cam Newton, so Mac Jones isn't going to be rushed into anything he's not ready for. So I think Mac Jones is extremely well positioned for success. I, I agree with that one. I think that Justin, uh, excuse me, that Matt, uh, Trey Lance is very well positioned. I think Zach Wilson is reasonably well positioned. I think Justin Fields I'm worried about because I'm just worried about the, the politics of the situation, if you will, and how they will impact all of that. And Trevor Lawrence, I think there's cause for great concern. I mean, I'm a big Urban Meyer fan. I think he is a brilliant guy. And I, I, I'm i not going to sit here and tell you that he is going to be a failure as an NFL coach. But, boy, there have been a lot of red flags. Right? Everything he has done to this point has, has raised a lot of questions. And once you got beyond Trevor Lawrence, I think there were a lot of questions about their draft as well. So Lawrence is the best of the five. I think every team, every team, 32 out of 32 teams would have taken him number one. But I actually think if you're if you're going to start raising the question marks that surround these guys, I would put him fifth as far as amongst these who is best or worst positioned to succeed. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Greeny, rolling along with you. Let's hear from you as we go. We'll have some time for some calls a little bit later. But, uh, but coming up, uh, more quarterback talk. Someone asked me for the quarterback most likely to break out this season. My answer surprised them. Let's see if it surprises you. I'll give it to you next after this word from Bank of America. So it's baseball season, and you're ready to go all out. You ordered the essentials to make game day a success, a jersey, a power recliner, and a bigger screen. And you used your Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Rewards that you put toward an essential piece of the celebration, an air horn. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny rolling along here with you on ESPN Radio. Let's pull it back together. So here's the deal. A lot of quarterback talk today. We'll, we'll spend most of this day on Paul George and what was a legacy reshaping performance for him last night. He deserves it because Paul George is a guy who every time he has a bad game in a big spot, we just point it out and we just pound him. And part of the reason for that is because the expectations were set so high. And Zach Lowe, who was with us a few minutes ago, did a great job of reminding us and pointing that out. When he was going toe-to-toe with LeBron, he was the heir apparent. He was ready to be eight years ago 
the next NBA legit super duper star, mega star, next level star. And then all of a sudden things went sideways in Indiana and then they traded him and got better. They traded him for Sabonis and Oladipo and got better. And he went to OKC and was supposed to win a whole bunch of games down there and didn't. And then, you know, he comes to the Clippers and they get knocked out early last year. So there have been a lot of justifiable reasons why we have diminished Paul George. But you got to bring that same energy when he rises up last night. That was a legacy reshaping performance. And I I don't know the man well at all and I don't have a horse in the race, but I I hope he seals that deal. I hope that if, if the Clippers wind up losing here in six or seven, I hope it's not because he has a stinker. I hope it's not because he has a bad game. Because I, I like this for him. I like the story of redemption for him. But, but the conversation has turned to a little bit of football today. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. So let me give you a little background on how this topic came up. Uh, Kyler Murray, they were talking in Phoenix. There were some stories in Phoenix about Kyler Murray and how well-positioned he is to have enormous success with the acquisitions they've made and how good he looks. And here he is now, year three, ready to completely assert himself. Now, he was sort of a sneaky, fashionable MVP pick this time a year ago. And it didn't go that way. He had a good year. He took a step forward from year one. He didn't have the enormous breakout season that some of us forecast for him. Maybe this is the year that he does. But the question came up on our Get Up uh, meeting the other day. Who do you like to be that guy? Who was a quarterback, a young quarterback, who set up for some breakout success? So, Nuno, you'll find this interesting. My immediate reaction was Justin Herbert. I have predicted that Justin Herbert will be the MVP of the league this year. I think there's a real possibility of that. I was told that is not an acceptable choice because he has already broken out. Do you agree with that, Nuno? No, because that's actually the guy I was thinking about right now. Okay. I was told that he doesn't meet the criteria because it wouldn't surprise anyone that, that for him to break out and have the kind of season that, that we're – have a huge season would not be the surprise the way Josh Allen surprised people, the way Lamar Jackson in year two surprised people. The, 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 the element of surprise is they were telling me needs to be part of the criteria. Do you accept that? No, I think whoever's making these rules is just wrong. Okay, fair enough. But all this is leading me to say, I thought about it for a while, and here's the name I came up with. How about Daniel Jones? How about Danny Dimes? Let's think for just a minute about that situation. Set up to succeed? I think so. You have an organization that has put so much into him against the... The, the conventional wisdom of basically everyone in the world, they have moved heaven and earth to make this thing work this year. As they do every year, they've addressed their offensive line. It needs to get better at some point. They get back Saquon Barkley. They bring in Kenny Galladay, who is your, your tall, physical, go-up-and-get-50-50-balls receiver. They draft Kadarius Toney, who I'm here to tell you is has a chance to be a superstar. He is a terrific player. Slot guy, speed, quickness. That's a, a, a great pair of additions. Two guys who do totally different, very dynamic things. They have the talented tight end. He needs to catch the ball. But they have the talent at tight end. This is an offense that could be, should be, set up. So if Daniel Jones is going to justify... Now look, the whole world didn't think he should be the sixth pick in the draft. But no, no, they didn't think he should go in the sixth round. This is a player that everybody thought was maybe a late first round or second round guy. They have set this up around him. And if he is going to get it done, there's, 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 this is it. 
I mean, this is clearly it for him. And I think it is set up for success. I actually think Danny Dimes has a chance to have a very good year. You're a Giant fan. What do you think? Um, I'm hoping that. I'm still concerned about this offensive line, right? I still believe what they've done is they got these shiny toys and said, all right, Daniel, we've given you enough help where theoretically now you're hoping that that offensive line works. The only good feeling I have is that everyone is so anti-Giants, anti-Dave Gettleman, anti Daniel Jones, that maybe that's what actually works. Let me take it a step farther for you, okay? Tell me if these things are realistic possibilities. Is it possible that despite all of the enthusiasm, because everyone's always excited about them in June, that Dallas's defense stunk last year, not because of the coordinator, but because they have stinking players and their defense stinks? Is that a possibility? Yes. Is it possible, despite my enthusiasm, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to suddenly become a great player and Washington's offense is no good? Is that possible? Yes. Is it possible that Philly does not have the quarterback of the future and their offense is terrible? Is that possible? (laughs) Yes. Of course. All those things are possible, which means I think there is a real path for the Giants to win that division. I think they might be as safe a pick as there is. If Daniel Jones plays well with the way that defense was coming on last season, I kind of think they're a sneaky, interesting pick. Crazy as that sounds. We continue in just a moment. My name's Greeny and this is ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.